Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Summit for Wellness podcast. It's been a little while, hasn't it? My last episode I published was about seven months ago, if I look back at it. And as you may have noticed, if you've been following me for a while, I took a much needed break. I did 183 episodes of the podcast since 2017 with very minimal breaks. And it got to a point where, you know, I wanted to play around and do some other things. So if you are not following my YouTube channel, I have been going all in on YouTube over there. It's been a lot of fun. I've been making a lot of different videos, adventure videos, movement videos, etc. So I highly recommend jumping over there and subscribing to the channel. And of course, all of these podcast episodes are also on the YouTube channel as well. But I do love podcasting. I love the platform. I love being able to connect with you through your ears. And it's something I don't really want to give up. It just is very time consuming. So from here on out, I am trying to focus on finding guests that have something unique to say because I want to keep things fresh and interesting, stay ahead of the health and wellness trends. And also, I don't know about you, but when I keep hearing the same thing over and over and over, for me at least, it kind of gets old. So I love it when people come on and bring new perspectives to the information that we currently have available. Now, if you've been listening to anyone in the health and wellness space that you find absolutely fascinating and they have something unique to share, feel free to reach out to me on any platform and let me know, and I will do my best to get them over here on the podcast so we can have some stimulating conversations. So another exciting thing that has happened since my last podcast episode is I became an investor in Element, which is an electrolyte company. You've probably heard me talk about them before on the podcast, and I'm really excited about their product. It's the first electrolyte product that I have found that tastes good and I notice a huge difference with. So every single morning I wake up and my first drink in the morning is water with a raspberry element in it. And then later on in the day, because it's cold and it's wintertime right now, I make my version of a healthy hot chocolate, which is hot water mixed with two different protein powders and a chocolate salt element and it is absolutely delicious. It's zero sugar, and it tastes just like a regular hot chocolate. So if you are wondering different ways to use Element, those are two different ways right there. And if you want to try it out, go to summitforwellness.com LMNT, and you can try out Element through there. Also, if you jump over to the YouTube version of this podcast, and you type down in the comments that you want to try Element, I do have some sample packs available, and I will pick two people at random to send those out to. So again, go to the YouTube channel, find this video, and then comment that you want to try out Element. All right, coming on for today's podcast episode is Camille Martin, and we're going to be diving into dieting and how that impacts women's self-esteem. So uh, Camille is a registered dietitian, public health writer, and a former chronic dieter dedicated to helping women quit dieting set bigger and better goals, and reclaim their excitement for life. After 25 years of dieting and failing, she quit dieting and began changing her habits little by little. And now she helps people focus on the way they eat as opposed to what they eat. So let's dive into my conversation with Camille. Thank you, Camille, for coming on to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Brian. I'm excited to be here. And I'm very excited to chat with you because as we all know, 
the majority of people have tried dieting at some point in their life. Uh, the typical person has tried multiple diets, and for some reason, they're just not working, are they? So we're going to dive into no. why that is and <laughs> um, how that can impact self-esteem and other things with us. But before we do that, let's learn a little bit more about your background and what got you into all this. Okay, sure. Um, I'm a registered dietitian, and I have been for about, gosh, 15 years. Um, and I'm also a technical writer and editor for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, so this, what I'm doing with you here is sort of my side thing that I'm hoping to convert into a full-time thing. But um, how I got into this is that I dieted for almost 25 years of my life, trying to diet off the same 10 pounds. And ultimately, I just said this is pointless and it was demoralizing and depressing and when I finally decided to quit that's when everything turned around for me and so I'm using what I've learned on that journey to help mostly women um, learn how to lose weight without dieting and just by changing their habits and their thoughts. Now you mentioned you tried multiple times to lose the exact same 10 pounds um, yeah. At some point, do you ever wonder if your body just naturally wants to have those extra 10 pounds or is it more something that you just want to get rid of? Well, um, for me, it wasn't necessarily a set point kind of thing. It was more a psychological, um, you know, the pressure. I usually talk about women, so I'm not trying to exclude men in this conversation, but it's mostly women who feel such pressure to look perfect. And so like an extra 10 pounds is really not, it, it's not a big deal at all health wise, but I felt compelled to get rid of it. And the negative psychological component of dieting, it, it kept me stuck in this negative feedback loop where I would try to use willpower, cut out everything, stop eating, take diet pills, all of this crazy stuff. And then when I finally, you know, gave up and I had no more willpower, I ate everything and gained all the weight back. So I'm an emotional eater also. I've learned how to manage it. Um, but for me, that's what it was. It wasn't that my body wanted to stay at a certain weight. I was just trying to get rid of it. And it kept coming back because of my psychology. So it seems like a lot of people have a goal weight in mind and that sometimes maybe your physician will give you a goal weight uh, to get you in certain like BMI type categories. For other people, mm -hmm. it might be a weight that they were at when they were in high school or something similar. Um, right. Why is it that we always seem to try to reach a weight or a goal that we had when we were you know, young and active and had the best metabolisms in the world and all sorts of stuff? Well, in my opinion, it's because we have such an extreme focus on appearance and on beauty and youth. And so we're associating that version of ourselves way back when as the ideal. Um, and that's not realistic because not only does your, it's, it's not that your body changes over time and you get less and less healthy as the years go by, but you do change and your life changes and your circumstances change and no one's factoring any of that in. And again, it's just to me the extreme, uh, just unrelenting focus on, you know, we all have to look perfect. We all have to have a six pack. It's bullshit. I mean, it just makes me angry. But, um, but yeah, BMI and all of that, those are tools to help physicians and clinicians get you into a certain zone so that you're at less 
you're less likely to be at risk for certain diseases and things. But to me, it's the disease of the mind is what needs to be eradicated, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, BMI isn't the most perfect uh, system either because you can be a no. certain height with a lot of muscle mass and that muscle weighs a lot because it's dense and you could be considered overweight or obese even though exactly. you're not. So it's it's definitely yeah. interesting how there's always <laughs> stuff outside of the normal parameters that don't fit into these assumptions. Yeah, we're not categories, we're people and it's, yeah. Exactly. I don't like labeling. <laughs> now, since the majority of people have tried a diet of some sort, why is it that people can't really stay with it? Like you mentioned, um, you would reach a breaking point and then fall back to old habits. Why didn't the new mm -hmm. habits stick? Well, okay, so first of all, there's two pieces to that. When you're dieting, you're not focused on your habits. You're trying to make like tons of huge changes all at the same time and in a compressed amount of time rather than making small steady changes over time, which is what leads to sticking with it and uh, habits actually changing. So what happens is when you go on these diets, you change every single thing that you do, you do it for two weeks, you try to lose 10 pounds in two weeks and you might be successful, and then you go right back to what you were doing before the diet. So, um, and the second piece of that, which you asked, I think was, why are we not successful at changing the habits? Is because we're not, we're not actually doing that when we diet. Um, dieting is just a drastic change of the menu, and that's it. Like, your life is different from my life, my you know, mom's life is different. It's all a one-size-fits-all menu um, that's also loaded with all of this other, you know, desperation mindset stuff that that is what backfires. But yeah, we're not changing our habits. And the only way to change a habit is to make small incremental changes over time until you get those changes down. And then ultimately you can convert a bad habit into a good habit as opposed to taking a bad habit and trying to drop it and then just pick up a good habit in its place. That just doesn't, it doesn't work over time. It seems like um, in the dieting culture that there's a lot of unrealistic expectations. Like when I go to the grocery store and I'm standing there and looking at the magazines and it's like how I lost 18 pounds in seven days and all this type of stuff. So people uh. expect if they go on a diet, they're going to lose 100 pounds in a month. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Well, and it, it makes you feel like crap about yourself because like, oh, this guy did it, but I can't stick with it. And that just pushes you to eat emotionally or binge eat or whatever you're doing that's, you know, causing you to have the excess weight in the first place. Yep. Yeah. So it, it really just backfires and makes it even worse. So yes. if we know that doing small incremental habit changes is going to create longer lasting impact, how do we break down the goal that we want to get to and then creating smaller goals to reach that ultimate goal? Um. Well, to me, there is really no end goal. I never tell people that your your goal is to lose weight. So that's that should never be a goal, in my opinion, because weight is a symptom. It's a side effect of things that are going on inside of you, and it's going to keep showing up until you change what's going on inside. That's why all of us trying to perfect ourselves from the outside in never works. Um, it might work in the short term, but in the long term, it does not. So... Um, what you want to focus on, it's great to have external goals, and I have my own external goals, but you want to 
um, attach the right mindset to those goals. So for example, people ask me all the time, are you a fan of intermittent fasting? And I always say yes and no. Yes, if you're using intermittent fasting as a way to train your body to recognize what true hunger is. That's a different why. But if you're using intermittent fasting to just, you know, cut calories and lose weight quickly, that's a, to me, the wrong mindset. So it all depends on how you're thinking. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> I apologize if I didn't, but goals are great, but it's got to be for the right reason that you're setting the goal. So uh, when you're working with someone, because I'm sure a lot of people that are coming in with the uh, weight goal in mind, I'm coming in and I want to lose 10 pounds. So when they say that to you, how do you dig deeper and that try to figure out more <laughs> of the root, something that they can actually yeah. use to work on their own health and their goals instead yeah. of just the weight? Yeah, well, so most of the people that I work with are women who eat emotionally. And so I explain to them that the weight is there and it's going to keep showing up. Like I said, until you get to the root, the, the weight is a side effect. And the problem is the way that you eat. It's the way that you're using food. And so if you're using food to self-medicate, you've got to get to, you always want to get to the root of the problem. Weight is never the problem. It's just a side effect, a symptom. Um, so I tell people, if you're eating emotionally and that's what's going on, you need to get to the source of that. You need to go way back. I see people's eyes glaze over like I don't want to get out of journal and I don't want to sit here for, for a whole day and like, you know, rehash my whole life story. But you really do have to go back and think about why you started eating in a disordered way. And the reason that's important is so you can let go of the shame in the way that you eat because so many people binge eat or, you know, I cheated, I failed, I'm such a loser, I'm, you know, I have no willpower, what's wrong with me? And I did this for years, by the way. So when you get to the reason why you're eating the way you eat, um, then you can allow yourself to see it objectively and let go of the shame and say, okay, well, I mean, I did this, I trained myself to do it, I can train myself to eat a different way. And then that's when you can start gathering information, almost like a, a detective. It's like, oh, when I eat, you know, a carton of Ben and Jerry's, that makes me feel like crap. So next time when I pick it up, I can eat it if I want to, but I know how it's going to make me feel. So then you start to, you get information and you're not shaming yourself and judging yourself. So that's what I tell people is you want to get to the real problem and get to the source of that and fix it on that end. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely interesting because uh, it seems like everybody has a trigger of some sort and they don't even recognize it unless they start doing some of this uh, internal stuff. So um, this is a little bit different than food, but kind of similar. Um, there's a lot of history of addiction in my family tree, and I know that, and I recognize that. I know that's a problem with a lot of people in my family. So when it comes to like stressful events or anything like that, I'm not, I actively stay away from alcohol because I know that with my family tree, there's a history of addiction and staying away from something that has right. addictive properties. I'm not going to turn to that every time I run into a stressful situation. So just avoid it completely right. and figure out other ways of dealing with that stress that isn't going to turn into some sort of addiction down the road. That's amazing that you do that. I quit drinking two years ago. Um, I occasionally have a glass of wine, but I, for the most part, just completely cut it out and it, it changed everything. So good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. 
And that that made me think about too, like uh, the reports coming out in the last couple of years with COVID and people being at home. The majority of people have gained a decent amount of weight. And a lot of that yeah. is your life has just been turned upside down. A lot of people were at home. You have easier access to the fridge and all that type of stuff. Your entire routine changed. You have stress. Yeah. Have, everything just happened against you. So now that we're hopefully coming out the other side of this, now seems to be a really good time to reestablish some new habits, figure out what those triggers are, um, start recognizing um you know, what leads you to the kitchen to start grabbing food and how to start um, breaking down those the goals into smaller little habit changes like you mentioned. So perfect, perfect Definitely. timing for that. Yeah, COVID threw a monkey wrench into everyone's life in every way. So, And then on that note, like I want anyone who's listening to this who is feeling, you know, like, oh my God, I gained all this weight and it's covid just give yourself a break. That's really the first step in changing anything is just to say, like, it's okay. You know, you gain weight. It's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. You know, I mean, like, you're not a bad person. You didn't do anything wrong. And you can take steps to change it. We make it so, like, mentally so much harder because of the shaming. And I think that's what is the first part that needs to be changed in order for you to make permanent changes. Yeah, and recognize every day is a new day. So yeah, yeah yesterday might not have been perfect, but today's a great day to try again. Absolutely, I love that, yeah. So um, I know people always wanna know um, how to break down habits because they want to make those changes and they want to make it last. So could you give us some examples of how to really break down stuff into actionable steps so that they could be more successful? Just give people ideas on what that looks like. Sure. Yeah. Um, how I train people to make changes to their habits is you take, make a list of like three to five habits that are really interfering with um, your health and order them in uh, order from easiest to change to hardest and start with the easiest one. Your goal is to get small wins, but you take a bad habit and then make a list of like, I mean, 10 or 15 things, little tiny changes you could make to that habit that would start the process of altering it. And even if they're like the tiniest, like seemingly insignificant changes that you could make, write them down anyway, and then pick one or two of those and start this week making those changes. So for example, if to use the ice cream example, and I like that one because that was one of my bad habits is to sit down in front of the TV at the end of the day, open up some, it was vegan ice cream, but whatever, it doesn't matter if you eat the whole damn thing. It's yeah, it's not healthy. (laughs) But so I would sit there and like, be like, you know, what the hell just happened? The whole thing's gone now. So What I did was I started making small changes to that. Um, Instead of saying, I'm not gonna do this anymore, and that doesn't work, and then you pick it back up, and then you're like, I'm a loser. Um, So making tiny changes such as, like put it in a bowl, it's stuff we've all heard, but like put it in a bowl instead of the container. Or use the container if that's too hard of a change, and take a tiny little spoon and take tiny little bites. Or eat a handful of blueberries before you even sit down. Or take your ice cream and go sit outside and eat it like you normally do, but at least you're being present, you know, and you can see like actually how you feel while you're like binging on this ice cream. All of these little changes, if you start adding one after another, 
it starts to really, what you're doing is you're changing your brain. It's, it's saying to yourself, first of all, I'm taking action. I'm taking positive action. I'm making a positive step. And every time you're successful at making one of those changes, you get a small win. You build your confidence. And you start to see that, like, you know, it's possible to make changes to these bad habits. And then ultimately it can become a good habit. Like you sit in front of the TV and you're having fruit and you feel so good. Hey, and maybe you stop watching like documentaries about serial killers and you can actually watch something that's inspiring. That's what that was my little pattern. Um, but yeah, so you just take one small change after the next and eventually, and you know, if it's too hard of a habit for you to change, maybe, you know what, maybe you are killing it all day long and you feel healthy and strong. And if you want to sit in front of the couch, and turn on a crime documentary and have some ice cream, then go for it. You know, we don't need to be perfectly healthy all the time. But yeah, that's just one example of what you could do. I don't know what it is about those murder mysteries, but they are very captivating. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so awful. It's like you're riveted and then you're like, why do I feel so bad after I watch that, you know? Yep, you um, see the first are... minute and then all of a sudden you're sitting on the couch going, I'm invested now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you can't tear yourself away from it, but yeah, so, but they're addictive. <laughs> now, uh, situations I hear about all the time is you might have a family, and we'll say uh, the woman is going on a diet. She's decided that she wants to do something with the diet, so she's going on a diet, and she really wants to be all in on it, really focused, but... You got your kids, you got your husband, and they don't want to be any part of that diet. So your environment isn't really conducive to helping you out. How do right. you make your environment um, not so stressful in a way that it's going to pull you out of trying to make these uh, habit changes and dietary changes and all that type of stuff? Yes, that's such a good question. Well, so first of all, I would encourage anyone who is listening to this, don't try to diet. You know, it doesn't work anyway. So if you're intent, assuming you're going to not try to go on a diet and like, so that's one reason it doesn't work. You're trying to make all this, you know, I've got to have this meal with, you know, cilantro and a lime and chickpeas and this and that and the special dressing. I mean, it's overwhelming. Already you're done. So forget about the diet. And if you have a family, I have a family, I have two teenage daughters, I'm divorced, so I'm a single mom. And so, yeah, I mean, it's chaotic and they come in here in my kitchen, you can see it back here. I cleaned it up for the podcast, but it usually looks like a bomb went off. Um, but it's just life. So I would just, that's why changing one habit at a time works. But also key point, if you are trying to change your habits and your family's not on board with it, that is when you must take time for yourself and don't feel guilty about it at all. You can take, you absolutely can find one hour in your day, whether it's you get up an hour early or you put the kids to bed and then you say, I'm going over here and I'm gonna read a book. I mean, you gotta take time for yourself. And the more you send yourself the message that I care about myself and that I matter and that my health matters and I'm gonna put it as a priority, things start to naturally change. Um, so yeah, everyone in your family doesn't have to be on board with it, but you're gonna show up better for your family the more you really make yourself a priority. So many women, it just it's tragic. Like they make themselves not even are they not a priority. They are just like they're forgotten. It's almost like we don't even see ourselves. And that happened to me. I was married for seventeen years and just 
lost myself completely. But yeah, just take it day by day. Don't beat yourself up, but make time for yourself and just work on one habit at a time. Do you ever hear of any uh, family members or anything that try to sabotage someone's um, <laughs> habit changes or anything like that? I, I've read about that. I've not actually had anybody personally tell me that, but what I would say, if that's what's happening and your significant other is like actively trying to make you not be the best that you can be, it might be time to rethink that relationship. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be a team team effort, not a tear yeah. the other person do, down type of effort. Do what you can to, you know, leave out some motivational reading for your spouse or whatever. That's a tough one. You don't, I don't want to be so like black and white. You don't just want to like pull the ripcord on your marriage or maybe you do, but yeah, you deserve better. If someone's trying to, you know, keep you from being the best that you can be, that's not okay. Yeah. Is there ways to, um, make your kitchen uh, the kitchen environment better so that you are more successful as well. Absolutely. And I think um, I tell women all this all the time. I tell them this, that I bet you if I walked into your kitchen, I would easily be able to tell why you haven't been able to lose weight because your environment pushes you to do everything that you're doing all day long. You just don't realize that it's doing that. Um, good and bad. You know, there are some good things about your environment, but your kitchen especially You've got to get it under control. And we, we don't realize like how pitifully set up we are to actually make a healthy meal. Like we don't have the right equipment. Our cabinets are shoved full of stuff that we don't even use, um, expired stuff. And it's just the little things of like cleaning out and getting yourself organized and proactively getting the utensils and the ingredients that you need to make a healthy meal. It makes cooking fun. And if you're I didn't like to cook, but you don't have to be a five-star chef, but you do actually have to cook a little bit of the time if you want to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, you can't order out all the time. You just can't and be and reach your ideal physical state. So I actually created a guide. Um, it's free. It's called Your Ultimate Weight Loss Kitchen, and it's on my website if anyone listening is interested in getting it. Um, you can go to my website and if you stay on there for 30 seconds or so, it'll pop up in a little box. But you can also get it at camillemartinrd.com slash kitchen dash guide. Sorry, that's a little bit hard to remember, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> head we'll, over there and you can just, it'll pop up eventually. We'll have uh, that in the resources for the in the show notes as well at summitforwellness.com okay, cool. slash 184. That way people don't have to remember the links. Uh, that'll keep it nice and simple there. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Camille, is there any final things you want to make sure that uh, we know about when it comes to changing the dietary mindset, how to improve self-esteem, and how to be successful with habit changes? Yes, I would say the one thing that you could do that you it's like the umbrella, the thing that if you do this one thing, it'll cascade down and make all of those things easier, is to set a goal that has nothing to do with losing weight or what you look like. Set an inspiring goal that challenges you, that brings you energy and excitement, and start working toward that. And all of that will trickle down into every area of your life, including your health, and it'll just make it easier to make the right choices. Awesome. And my final question for you is, what is your vision of what healthy looks like, and what are three things you do every day to reach that vision? 
healthy for me is me always working toward my full potential. And the three things that I do to to try to make that happen are I get up early every morning. I'm a psycho. I get up at four, but it's because my kids are up by six to go somewhere. And I have to have that time to get focused and read something to keep me on track. Um, I get good sleep and I love to laugh. I think that's so important. It's, um, it really is so good for your health and we have so much stress. So sleeping and laughing and I guess educating yourself, fueling your mind with inspiring things is important. I remember the days of waking up at four, but I don't miss those <laughs> days. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Why did you have to get up at four? Uh, it was for work when I was younger. Um, uh, I would open yeah. at a gym, and then uh, so I'd have oh, to wow. be there at four. And yeah, don't miss those days. Yeah, that's early. Well, I, I will say I go to bed at seven, so I make up for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Camille, thank you so much for coming onto the show. People can learn more about you at CamilleMartinRD.com. You're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all this information. I hope people find a lot of uh, uh, success with trying to make dietary and habit changes. And like you said, avoid the word diet and just look at healthful changes instead. So thank you. Exactly. Thank you for having me on, Brian. I loved it. I hope you were able to take away a couple nuggets from Camille. And it is really sad how our society puts so much pressure on women and how they look and how they should diet. And it is a bummer that uh, so many of you have to go through that. But hopefully talking to Camille, you can focus more on setting actual goals that you want to achieve and not just achieve them for society. And uh, if you want to check out her book and her kitchen guide, then head on over to her website to learn more about those. Next week, I have Troy Duell on the show. Let's go learn who he is and what we'll be talking about. Troy, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? I think probably the most unique thing is I'm a farmer at heart. Uh, we live in the suburbs, but I have 12 chickens, have a garden, uh, really try to grow it. And my goal is to have a little mini orchard of apples, pears, peaches, and uh, figs as well to try to keep things going. So that's my heart's desire. would love to farm as uh, even more and bring in some bees and goats eventually as well. But most people don't know that about me. Yeah, I think those little homesteads are pretty awesome. You can get, you know, you can supplement what it is that you buy at the store with some fresh stuff. And chickens is a very easy way to get into it because they're very easy to take care of and they give you food back. And it's Absolutely. kind of an endless supply of it, which is great. It is. Well, what it will is we be watch. learning about in our interview together? Uh, most of the things that I like to talk about is folate and what we don't necessarily know or what's wrong with folate today and the varieties that are there and really just talking about how we can take ownership of our health and get better uh, in order to not rely so much on the medications and medicines that are in the world today. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Uh, one of my favorite meals is a steak salad. Uh, so I love a good salad, but I also love some red meat. And I know it goes against a lot of what people are saying today, but the truth is I don't think we're eating as much red meat as we 
probably need to anymore because we've been scared into not eating it. And as long as it's organic and it's a lean red meat, uh, having it in moderation is a good thing. So I think it's something that we could probably step up on. And certainly we all need more greens uh, in our diet. What level do you like your steak cooked to? Uh, I am a medium rare guy, um, which can be a little, can be a little scary. Yeah. Good. You're not one of those people that like it burnt. (laughs) No, no. Don't like it burnt. (laughs) Uh, Waste of a good steak. Yeah. Amen. What are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Uh, I think some of those things that I'll talk about is take the stairs instead of an elevator, uh, take the side salad instead of the fries, and remember that resistance training is really one of the main keys to losing weight and getting in shape because muscle burns fat and burns more calories while you're sleeping. So building that muscle and having some resistance training in your exercise routine is key. All right. I had a great conversation with Troy. And until next time, keep climbing to the peak of your health.